team. It's so good to be here again. Uh, just thank you for having me once again. Um, it's so good. Last time we came here, we were in like the middle of COVID. Um, and it's just so, so nice to see everyone coming back to church and being here in person. Um, for the online church, thank you for tuning in and being with us uh, this morning. Um, Pastor Tim is a good friend. And I, I, I know you get speakers that come and say, yeah, your pastor's a good friend. No, he's a good friend of mine. Like, we eat together, we go out together. He is one of my advisors. Um, anytime I'm going through crisis or anything as a, in ministry, he's probably one of the first people I call. Um, so he's an awesome man. I hope you love your pastor because I think he loves you. I know he does. We speak about you often. Um, he has a, a really, really um, love for his church. Um, his wife, Kim, is an amazing woman. Like I said, we've broken bread together, myself, my wife, and, and him and his wife. Um, we just love them, love them, love them, love them. Um, Shrewsbury is like my second home. I honestly can say that. I've never, my, my daughter is with me, Priscilla, he, she's with me today, and she asked, like, are you nervous this morning? And I'm always, like, a little jittery, right? When it's a new church, I'm extremely nervous. Um, I'm introvert, right? Uh, so this is not easy for me to do anytime. Um, but coming here, I don't get those same jitters. I feel almost comfortable being here. Um, I just love being here. I really, really do. And maybe it's because of, of you guys. Maybe it's because of Tim, Pastor Tim. I'm not sure. Uh, but I just feel comfortable being with Maybe because I've been here enough times uh, that I feel comfortable already. So this is one of those churches where I open the fr refrigerator on my own now. Like, I don't ask for permission. I just open the fridge. Amen? I'm taking what I want. Uh, no, but seriously, I just love being here. Um, my wife, Madeline, could not be here. Uh, we, we're renting a church, so we're setting up. We just bought sound equipment this year. Uh, it takes us about an hour just to get our services set up. Um, so she is right now with the team setting up. Imagine this puny lady trying to set up equipment. But now she's setting up. We have a team that's setting up, and she's with them right now. Uh, my daughter Priscilla is with me. I have four kids. I have three daughters. Um, please pray for me. The third one enters college this year. They all a year apart. Three girls a year apart. So I have one going into her third year of, of, of college, Sarai. Uh, she's studying in St. John's in New York. Um, Priscilla, who's with me today, didn't want to leave that alone. Uh, she's at Sagu in Texas, and we'll be taking that drive there in a couple of weeks. And then Julia, my youngest daughter, she's entering uh, New Jersey City University, uh, entering her freshman year, first year of college this year. Uh, so please, please pray for me. And then I have a little prince, Gabriel. He's 10 years old. Um, love him to death. Uh, so it's awesome being a dad. I love being a father. Just love it. Love being, a, uh, love being married to my wife for 21 years. We celebrate 21 years, uh, two weeks. Uh, so any gift ideas, let me know, women. Um, I need a gift idea. Uh, don't tell I said that. <laughs> uh, if you can open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. And verse 1, we live in, in some interesting times, and I feel like we live in some very distracting times. Um, and something I want to speak to you about today is just how, do we, how we can disarm distraction, disarming distraction, disarming distraction. We have so many things around us. Um, I love the image that we put up, right? It's this crazy-looking woman with all these different distractions around her. Sometimes I feel like that. 1 Kings 17, and I'm going to jump around the chapter. 
I'm going to start at verse 1, jump to verse 7. And it reads like this. Now Elijah the Chishbite from Chishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except my word. Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord, I'm in verse 8 right now. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Verse 9. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Now, let's jump to verse 16. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Lord, we just thank you for this portion of your word. We just ask that you may speak to our lives this morning, God, that we may leave this sanctuary not the same way we entered, but leave transformed by your word, changed, never being the same. Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to be present right now, that it be a spirit that speaks to your church. This is your church, God, your sons and daughters, Lord God. Let it be your spirit that fills them, that transforms them, that's with them today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We find this story of this woman at a time when things aren't going well in her world. How many can relate to this woman? Things are not going well in this world. The world is, not, is going through a drought, and the Lord's prophet is saying, that it won't rain for a few years. Now, understand this. Uh, we've gone through a couple of weeks of no rain, and I don't know about you guys, but I have lawn that I like keeping green. And when it doesn't rain for a couple of weeks, that lawn goes brown really quick. There's nothing growing. So the, and, the, and the stream is dry and the lands are dry, which means that there is nothing growing. Nothing is growing. Keep that in mind. Nothing is growing. And if nothing is growing, then there is no food, not much to eat. There is a crisis in the world of this woman. How many people can say that there is a crisis in our world today? I don't know about how, about how many of you guys are in a crisis right now and this morning. Maybe you're not in a crisis. I think we're all in a crisis right now because of this pandemic. Um, seems it doesn't want to leave us. Maybe you're not in a crisis, maybe you're going into a crisis, maybe you're coming out of a crisis, but we all understand what it is like to be in a crisis. And this woman was in a crisis. And God sends a prophet and asks her to do something that made absolutely no sense in the world. Can I tell you something, church? When you're in a crisis and God comes into your crisis, many times he will ask you to do something that makes no sense. And God enters a crisis and says, I want to do something in your life, but you have to do something that makes no sense. 
I believe that God wants to do something amazing in our lives. But what he asks of us does not make sense to the natural mind. Remember this. You know, we, I, I said this to begin today during communion, that we grew up as Catholics, right? We knew nothing about Pentecostalism. We knew nothing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We knew nothing about tongues, about prophecy, nothing like that. So when the Lord started using my family in prophecy and tongues, it, that was strange to us. That made absolutely no sense. It took us a, we, we weren't raised in a Pentecostal Christian church. That made no sense. It took us a while to kind of like adjust to the, it made no sense to the natural mind that this God that's in heaven could come down on earth, use a person to speak to us directly and give us a word. That made no sense to the natural mind. God will ask you to do things that make no sense in times of crisis. It happens that way. It happens that way a lot. God comes to this starving woman and says, I want you, look, look at what the man says. Understand this, there is no water, the rains have stopped, the grass is, is beyond brown, is dry, is dead. Nothing is growing. This prophet comes to this widow who's struggling just to make ends meet because she didn't have a husband to provide for her. These were different times. Women pr pretty much didn't, didn't have jobs. Their work was in the house. And she had no one providing for her. And she is starving. She has a son. And she's worried that they're going to die. And now the prophet of the Lord comes to her and says, give me the little that you have. Make me a cake, a piece of bread. And we'll see her answer in a minute. But before that, I want you to know something about this man, Elijah. Elijah was a man that God was going to use radically to impact the world around him. Elijah shows up here for the first time, but in the next chapter, we see Elijah squaring off with 450 prophets of, of Baal, doing battle with them. This is the same Elijah that comes to this woman. And he asked her, can I have a piece of bread? Elijah, the one who's about to do battle, is with this widow. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to make a difference in this world for Jesus. I want to leave this planet knowing that my presence in this world made a difference. That my presence in the world changed a life. That my presence in, in this world made a positive impact to the world around me. I want to give everything I have for the kingdom of God. And I hope that when I enter into, into eternity, I go knowing that this world was better because of me being in it. I think that there are many people sitting in this room who, who want to love Jesus passionately and are all in for him. There are people here right now who want to live their lives completely for Jesus, and that's awesome. I think you want to be great husbands. I think you want to be great wives. I think you want to be great and godly parents, parents who are going to teach their kids about Jesus Christ. I, I truly believe that we are here and we want to do these things. I think there's children who want to be great children, who want to be obedient to their parents. How many parents say amen? 
or want to be obedient to their parents. Who want to be great followers of Jesus Christ. I thank God for my children, all my children, all my children right now serving the Lord. I thank God for that. I don't take that for granted. I, I know that's not easy. It's not easy. Three adult daughters now, because the last one just turned 18. Three adult daughters, all serving the Lord. All of them. My oldest daughter, Sarai, is working with media, and she helps out, and she's a preacher. Uh, Priscilla is a worship leader, um, and we have a training in Sagu for that. Uh, my youngest daughter is an artist, and she loves working with kids, and she's working in the kids' ministry. I mean, that's, that's hard. Parents, that's hard to have our children raise them to love the Lord. It's difficult. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of time being with them, spending with them, pouring into them. And we want these things, and this is the ambition of all of us who love Jesus Christ. But somehow we find ourselves living here, living here, right? We find ourselves living here when we desire to live up here. Even as a pastor, can I just be completely transparent with you? You know, I have a lot of ambition for my life as a husband as a father, as a pastor, as a friend, and, and my ambitions are way up here, but sometimes I feel like I'm living down here. And I know some can relate to this. There is a place where God wants to lead us. Follow me here. There's a place that God wants to take us, but many of us struggle to get to that place. Paul says this in, in Romans, I do not understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I do not do it. Instead, I do the very thing that I hate. There's something that I want, I want to do. I really want to do. I want to get there. But there's something that just keeps me down, that distracts me from getting to where God wants to take me. I think there is a reason for this. There's, there's something in our lives that comes to play that I want to call distraction. Look, I feel like I'm getting older, and my kids keep reminding me that I'm getting older. Um, I am 50, believe it or not, 50. Um, just turned 50, right? Just 50 this year. I have to remind myself, just turned 50 this year. And many times, I forget things. So recently, I was looking all over the house for my glasses. I'm like, where are my glasses? I can't find my glasses. And, and I'm one of those people that I, I kind of freak out a little bit when I can't find something. I get frustrated. Like, where is it? Where is it? Who put it? Who moved it? I had to hear someone moved it, right? I mean, constant, constant. And I'm looking everywhere. And one of my kids, well, which ones? The ones that are on top of your head? Sometimes we are so distracted with what's going on around us that we miss it. We can't find things because we're so distracted. There are many different levels of distraction in our lives. There are distractions that do not have a great impact on our lives. Like losing your glasses, not a big impact. Not, no one died because of this. No one suffered because of this, except myself. Through the panic of losing glasses. But there are some distractions that, that have great consequences and effects in our lives. There are distractions that impact our lives greatly. Texting and driving. Texting and driving. 
can I be honest again? This is my confessional here. I'm just confessing to you guys today. We can edit the video. Texting and driving. I've done this and have, have, have had some close calls. And I've learned that, you know what, while I'm driving, it, sometimes I just should just put the phone down. Because it's not worth it. Whatever I have to text can wait. Texting and driving can have great consequences. It can cost a life. It's very distracting. People have lost their lives because they were texting and driving. That's a very serious effect of, of, of distraction. But an even more serious effect of distraction is when you allow yourself to be distracted from the plans and purpose of God in your life because of the things that are happening around us. Can I tell you something? COVID was very distracting as a pastor. Many pastors were distracted by COVID. We forgot the mission. We forgot the purpose. And I had to, I had to take a time out. I had to take a step back and say, hey, wait a minute. I know there's a pandemic in this world, impacting the world, but I can't allow this distraction, this pandemic, from the plans and purpose of God for our church. We are, we are a church on a mission. You, this church, is a church on a mission. We can't stop spreading the gospel. We can't stop talking about Jesus because of a pandemic. We can't stop feeding the poor. We can't stop visiting the sick because of a pandemic. We were distracted. But we get distracted, we get distracted, and we have to realize, hey, wait a minute. There's a plan and a purpose for my life that God has for my life. I think this room is filled with people who want to have life-changing impact on people and the world for Jesus. But we get distracted and it doesn't happen. Listen, I'm sure that I would ask here, how many people here have wanted to be a preacher, teacher, evangelist, apostle for the Lord? I'm sure many will raise their hand and say, yeah, I did. I did. And can I tell you something? If that's the calling for your life, that calling is still alive. God has not forgotten about that calling. Let's go back to the Bible story. This woman was going through a difficult time, and she had a, a little flour left in her jar and a few drops of oil in her jar. They didn't have much, and this prophet is asking for the little that she had. And the woman is getting a shot, an opportunity, but you can easily see how she was distracted from God's plan for her. God's plans are always greater than our plans. Everyone here has a plan, a plan that God has for us. But there is an enemy that wants us not to fulfill that plan. Now, I am not, I am, I'm not afraid of the enemy. Jesus defeated that enemy 2,000 years ago in the, in the cross in Calvary. When he resurrected, he defeated that enemy. But if we do not have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, this enemy can seem really big and intimidating and can be distracting from God's plan and purpose for your life. That is why Peter says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
resist him standing firm in the faith. Listen, church, we have an enemy who wants to distract you, and he will not, he will not always do it in a huge way. Sometimes it's the small things that he uses to distract us. Me and my wife, have this, we've been having this debate since we got married. Cable or satellite? I like satellite. She likes cable. And we've had this argument, and she'll tell you. And she's one. Right now, she won. We have cable right now. We did have satellite for a short time. And I remember when the, the, when the, when the, when the installer was in the house installing the satellite dish, we couldn't get all the channels. And he says, I got to go up to the roof to make a small adjustment to the antenna, like a hairline adjustment. And I'm like, hairline? Like, we're getting 10 channels. I'm supposed to get like a million, right? And he says, no, no, it just takes a small. He says, listen to this. A hairline adjustment here on this earth is 1,500 miles of adjustment in space. Small distractions have big, big impact in the kingdom of God. Listen to this. Small distractions, or, or better said, small adjustments, small adjustments have huge impacts in the heavenlies. It's a big deal. Looking at the story the widow, of the widow, I see three battlefronts of distraction. And I want to give you these three battlefronts of distractions. The battlefronts that the enemy uses to distract us away from God and his purpose for our lives. The first battlefront is the battlefront of appetites. The battlefront of appetites. Look what 1 Kings 17, 12 says. As, a sh as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. Appetite is when something in you feels like it needs something and you're going after that thing. So appetite for me, late night, is Oreo cookies. I want those Oreo cookies not that I need them, but I want them. I desire them. Or that big party-sized bag of Doritos. How many people say amen? Amen? Doritos is not a god. It's a, the devil. Of the devil. You, you want it, but you don't need it. Right now, I, I'm, I'm going through this weight loss program. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to be as, as fit as, as Pastor Tim. Have you seen that, man? That, that's one of the fittest. You guys have one of the fittest pastors in the world. That man, is, that man is running miles. I run to the corner and I'm out of breath. That, I want to be fit, and I know that I need to lose weight. So I, I'm right now, I'm going through this weight loss program. Um, lost six pounds in the first uh, week so far. Praise God for that. Um, I'm trying to keep it off. But it's tough. It's tough because late night, understand this, late night, I'm distracted. I want the cookies. I want the bag of chips because that's what I want. I want, not that I need, I want it. I, it's an appetite. It's something that I want. God loves you and he has a plan for your life. Don't get distracted. Don't give in to your appetites. They can be physical. They, be, they can be emotional. Don't cave in. Don't cave in. The second battlefront, the second battlefront is the battlefront of affections. Look what the woman says in, in verse 12. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son. The problems in your life will show you what is really important in your life. Let me say that again. The problems in your life will show you what's really important in your life. In the life of this widow, 
her son was really important. She says, I'm gathering sticks, a few sticks. I'm going to make a meal for my son and myself. Now listen to this. If it were me, I would make a meal for my son and I would die. I want to give him a shot. Maybe somebody would take him. This woman did not want to let her son die alone. So she says, I'm going to make a little meal for my son and I. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. That was her plan. Understand this. This was a plan. Her plan was cook, make a small meal. We eat it. We enjoy it. And in, in a few days, we'll die. And she was fine with this plan. She had an affection. She had an affection for her son. But the problem is when those good things in our lives become so important that we start not to do the things of God, that is a problem. It's a problem. Listen, when your children and their sports activities, and I know this is going to hurt some of you, and, and don't forgive me because I'm not, I'm not repenting of this. When your sports activities of your children stop you from the doing the things of God, that is a problem. That is a problem. When jobs and things outside to make more money take time from the things of God, that is a problem. That's the problem. This woman, was her affection was her son. And she was not seeing God's plan. There was a prophet of God in front of her, a mighty prophet, one of the, the, the greatest prophets of our time. He was in the transfiguration of Jesus, Elijah. Listen to me, church. When things distract us from the things of God, that is a problem. Things that we need to remove from our lives. God will only have one place in our lives, and that is first place. The day I married my wife, I said, listen to me, you will always be number two. You will never be number one. Number one is always going to be God. It has to be him because without him, we can't succeed. Listen, if God was not number one, we would not be here this week celebrating 21 years of marriage. We would not. I, I can tell you right now, we would not. We would not be here. In marriage, we go through ups and downs. We've gone through some bad times in, in our marriage early on. And, and if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, if it wasn't for God's plan, we wouldn't be here today. Do not let anything else come before God. God has to be first in our lives. First in our lives. He has to be first in everything. And affection is what you choose to love. And affection is what you choose to love. I choose to love my wife, but I love God more. I choose to love my children, but I love my wife and God more. And they know this. Marriages, listen to me. Love your spouse more. Love your spouse more. My dad, he broke it down really quick, simple. I remember having my first daughter, and he says, you know, you love Sarah, you love your first daughter? I said, yeah, dad, I love her. I love her. He says, you love her. Then he challenges me. You love her more than you love your wife? And I'm like, yeah, dad. I mean, she's flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. My wife's not that. He goes, really, son? He says, son, you know your kids leave, right? 
He says, you know you have intimacy with your wife. You don't have intimacy with your kids like that. You know you can walk around. And he gave me this, this analogy, and it blew, me, blew my mind. He says, would you walk around in front of your kids naked? I'm like, no. It's disgusting. I mean, if you guys do it, that's on your own. I mean, that's, I said, no, I wouldn't do that. He, he says, but would you do it in front of your wife? I said, yes. So he goes, so you expose yourself completely to your wife, but not to your kids. Who would you love more? And that kind of like stuck with me forever. God, your spouse, your children, that order. That order. Don't ever forget that. If your order is reversed, if it's in a different order, you're going to have major problems in your life. Amen? Remember these words. Amen? God, your spouse, your children. My question for you today is what are we choosing to love? Are we choosing to love God's word and God's plan first and let him take care of our needs? Or are we putting our affection on things that will not satisfy us? There is a jar of flour and a jug of oil in God's plan for your life. And it will meet all your needs, all your needs for your life today. But the enemy will like to keep you away by distracting you with your affections and your appetites. And the last battlefront. So we have appetite, right? We have appetite. Leave those appetites alone. We have affections. And the last battlefront is battlefront of agendas. Look what it says in verse 12. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Your agenda is your plan for your life. Your agenda is your plan for your life. How many have plans for their lives? I'm, a, I'm big on plans, right? So anyone who wants to date my daughter, I'm like, what's your plan? I, I want a five-year plan, 10-year plan. I mean, you're not dating my daughter without a plan. So how many... How many have a plan for their life? I know I have, no one has a plan for their lives. I mean, I hope you have plans for your lives. How many have plans for your life? Come on. How many have, come on, confess. I, I got, I, I'm, listen, my name is Jose. Have you read Joseph in the Bible? That's me. Big dreams. I'm a dreamer. I am, uh, my siblings will worship. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I am a dreamer. I have big plans for my life. But is your plan God's plan for your life? This widow loved her son. I probably would have given, like I said, him all the food. But the widow loved her son so much that she didn't want him dying alone. So she had a plan. That was the widow's plan. Eat and die. But God's plan was different. What do you have planned in your life for today? What does God think of your plan? Be sure that your plans are God's plans for your life. Remember, the enemy wants to distract you from God's plan for your life. Now, how can we go against the enemy's distraction? Listen to this. Listen to this, church. God has a plan for my life. He does. I'm not pastoring by coincidence. There was a plan for my life. There was, I got, a call, I got a, the calling of God in 1998 in a youth rally. The Lord spoke to my life, and he says, you are going to lead my flock. And the first question I had is, what's the flock? I was new in the Lord. What is a flock? My dad was like, his people. You're probably going to pastor. My, pastor's very, my, my dad's very direct. And I'm like, all right, okay, all right. And it took, a, a, it took planning and took a process for me to get to where I am today. But God had a plan for my life 
He, had a pl- he has a plan for your life. No matter where you are right now in your life, you could be in the middle of crisis, understand that God has a plan for your life, and that plan has to be fulfilled. Now, I know there's many distractions, but we need a counter-offense, counter-offense. We have to go against the enemy, amen? Second Corinthians 10 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, demolish strongholds. Is there anyone in this room or tuning in who feels a little distracted? and needs an adjustment of a quarter inch in their plan. God has given us weapons to deal with these distractions, but we have to use them. We have to set up, uh, we have to, 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 to allow God to show up in our lives. This woman didn't understand that God wanted to show up, but because of her act of obedience to feed this prophet, God showed up. We have to stand and fight the good fight of faith. How? First, we have to starve your appetites. Starve your appetites. Don't let anything control you. Look, in our church, we're about to begin in two weeks, 21 days of fasting. I love fasting times. I do. I really do. Some people hate them. I love them. Because it allows us to starve those things in our lives that distract us. And I know many people feel that, you know, fasting should be just food. And I think in the times of Jesus, it was because that's what they, they, that's what they did. They just ate. They say, they, the Bible says Jesus was a big eater. They, they accused him of eating too much. Um, I think we have different distractions today. I think we have social media. I think we have uh, television, entertainment. I, I always tell our, our church folk, hey, give up something. Give up social media, especially the youth. I'm telling them, give up social media for 21 days. 21 days, and you will see how your life will change radically for the Lord. How you will see clearer what God's plan is for your life. How you will see that your intimacy with God will grow. Starve your appetites. People who will hold you accountable, find them. Find people who hold you accountable. Find those people. You know, I trust your pastor that he's going to give me good advice. And if I'm doing something wrong, he's going to let me know. I have an accountability partner. I have those partners in my life. I have people who I trust who are going to tell me if I'm off track. Find those people. Starve your appetites. Look what uh, uh, Colossians 3.5 says in the Amplified Version. says, so kill, that means dead and deprived of power, the evil desire lurking in your members. There is something at work trying to keep you from God's plan and the plan and purpose of God doesn't always make sense. It may not make sense to you right now, but it will in a, f- in a few moments. Amen? Listen, this woman didn't have a lot. Making bread for someone else didn't make sense to her. Listen to me. Did not make sense to her. God's going to ask you to do things right now in your life that is not going to make sense, but is going to align you with his purpose and plan for your life. She did, this didn't make sense. Didn't make sense that she had to cook her last meal and give it to this prophet. But her plan wasn't God's plan. See, God wanted to give her more. Church, listen to me. God's plan is to give you more. God's, I am a blessed man. Can I say this in front of you? I am a blessed man. I, I truly am. 
I don't deny it. Look, I, I am the youngest of three. I have two older sisters. They've always said that I was spoiled. And for when I was young, I used to fight them. I'm not spoiled. Now, I accept. I'm like, yeah, I'm spoiled. Mom and dad spoiled me. But my God spoils me as well. I believe that God has blessed me more than I, I could have ever imagined. I have more today than I've ever had in my life. Ever had. Look, God is a, God's plans are always better. I had a plan for my life. This was my plan. I went to, to Aviation High School in Long Island City, Queens. And I received my license to fix aircrafts. I was fixing 747s, 727s, Airbus 300 aircraft at the age of 18 years old. I would sit in a, in, in a plane and people would walk by and say, hey, you, you know, whose son are you? I'm like, I'm no one's son. I work here. Like, I work, I'm a mechanic. I work here. My plan was to work in Pan Am for, and I used to work in Pan Am for 20 years, retire young, open a bagel shop or something I wanted to do, something, you know, something I would enjoy. That was my plan for my life. And a year and a half in, Pan Am goes bankrupt. And I lose my job. And I start looking for work everywhere. Couldn't land a job. I remember my first job after Pan Am. Pan Am was a career job. Was at a warehouse sweeping the streets of East New York in Brooklyn. Was the worst job in the world. Making $3 an hour in 1990. That was my first job. And it took a, a, a a long journey to, to where I am today. Right now, I am a principal in finance in one of the largest private equity firms in the world with no financial background, no financial degree. God did that in my life. That was God's plan. And because of that job, I've been able to bless families. I've been able to bless missionaries. I've been able to bless our local church. I've been able to pastor and work at the same time. That was God's plan. God did. God's plan is always better. God's plan is always better for our lives. Trust in him. Trust God. His plans are better for our lives. And then I want to add, finish the last one. So we have to starve, starve our appetites. Set your affections. Set your affections. Colossians 3 says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not earthly things. Listen, the power of God is within us to help us decide what we love, to love the things that are eternal in our lives. Listen to me. Set your affections. Don't lo love materialistic things. Yes, I, I wanted a Lamborghini and a Ferrari. I wanted a huge house, mansion. But I decided, you know what? God's plan is better. I'm going to set my, my sights on things that are eternal. You know what's eternal? People. People are eternal. You and me, we're eternal. Make an impact on people. Make a difference in someone's life. Help someone when they fall. Lift them up. Don't watch them. Don't walk away from them. Help them. People matter. Invest your money in things that are eternal. People are eternal. And people, believe it or not, people pay back great dividends. 
for those in finance, people, people pay back great dividends. Invest in people. Invest in people. That's what really matters. Set your heart on things that will last people. Your spouse, your children. Listen, invest in them. Invest in them. Invest in your children, in your siblings, in your neighbors, in your schoolmates, in your friends. Make the decision to direct your, your, your direction to God's purpose and plan for your life. And I finish with this, and the worship team can come up. Submit your, number three, submit your agenda. And I finish with this. Submit your agenda. I like what Proverbs says. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So my question to you this morning is this. What have you planned to do in your life? And have you submitted that plan to God? The widow had a plan, but the prophet said, no, make me a loaf for me. God had a better plan for her life. God has a plan that will satisfy you. God has a plan that will satisfy you. Look, I love working on planes and getting my hands dirty. But can I tell you something? I love keeping my hands clean now and working with paper. I do. And I make a whole lot more money doing it. God's plan was better. Listen, I thought I was set. I thought my life was set. And God said, no, 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 I have something better. I have something more for you. I have something greater for you. God's plans are greater. His purposes are greater. This woman's plan ended in death, but God's plan for her life ended with life and purpose. Listen, your plans may end in death, but God's plans for your life will end in purpose, in life. God used her because she was obedient. Can I tell you the impact of this woman? Listen to this. This was a poor widow, probably in a small town, where this prophet comes, and he makes this impact in her life. The widow's plan and purpose for her life was so great. Even though she doesn't have a name, we're still talking about her today, 2,000 years later. We're still talking about the widow. Will they be talking about you? 2,000 years from now. God's plan is greater. His purpose is greater. Greater for our lives. Let God use your story to change the world. Every one of us has a story. Use it to change the world. Come on, speak your story. You have a story. You have a story. You have a story. How we tell our people this. You ever, you know when, when Jesus sends the disciples out to, to, to preach the word, what word were they preaching? Because this Bible, the way we see it today, didn't exist. What word were they preaching? You know, I think what they were preaching? Their life. What God did in their lives. The change, the transformation that God had in their lives. I think that's the word that God wants us to preach to our neighbors, to our friends. Listen, I believe that God, I believe that God wants more for us. God has a bigger plan for this church. He really does. I believe that we have some empty seats here. But I believe that if we all do what we need to do, we got to reserve seats. We'll start another service. I, I believe that God's going to do some great things in this place. He really is. God has a plan for you today. Give him your agenda. Give it to him. Set your affections on things above. Stop the appetites of this world in order to know the, the plans and purpose of God. In 
orders to another panelist. Let's, let's all stand up. What is God's purpose and plan for your life? What does God want to do in your life? Think about these things. I just want to, before I leave, just want to pray and give an opportunity for those that maybe don't know the Lord and need to know him today. And I think there's a simple prayer that we can pray and this can start you in God's plan for your life and purpose for your life. And if you could just pray with me, those tuning in or someone here just wants to give, says, you know what, Pastor, you've been speaking about plan and purpose and God's purpose and I'm so far away from God. I just want to help you connect with God. Maybe you've never had a connection, but you can do it today. And if that's you, just pray the simple prayer with me. Say, dear God, I thank you so much for your Holy Spirit who is speaking to my heart today. Thank you for speaking to me to get my attention. I receive your forgiveness. I thank you for Jesus Christ who gave his life so that I could be saved today and be connected to your plan and purpose for my life. I receive him now as Lord and Savior. Thank you for receiving me into your family. Be the Lord and Savior in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that simple prayer, I just want you to know right now, right now that you are saved, that you are born again, that God's plans for your life and purpose is to prosper you, to help you grow. Now, I also want to pray one more prayer, and then I'll leave. And it's for those that may feel right now a little disconnected from God. You know the Lord, you know Jesus Christ, but so many things around us, the crisis around us has us a little distracted, and we just want to reconnect with God. If that's you, I just want us to close our eyes. If that's you, just raise your hand. Right, right there where you stand. Just say, I feel just a little bit disconnected with God. And I just want to connect again. Amen. I see your hand. Amen. I see your hands. All around this room, I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. Father, for those who are a little off course right now, I ask that you may make those adjustments in their lives, Lord God, that they may find their way back, that they may get on course and experience and live out all that you have designed and planned for their lives. Lord, I ask you that you may use them to make a difference in this world. Right now, Lord God, just remove any distractions from their lives, Lord God, that they may be able to seek you more focused, that they may put you first above all things, God, because you have something great.